Welcome to the Evangel Temple Youth Ministries podcast. We pray that this message would be instrumental in God speaking to you and drawing you closer to Him. Now, here's today's sermon. All right, guys. Well, as you said, my name is Jackson, and I'm the ministry intern here at Evangel Temple. I'm super blessed to be with you guys tonight. I'm really pumped to be with me with you guys. And real fast, I wanted to digress just a little bit. I just wanted to say briefly how blessed you guys are to have Nick and Isaac as your fearless leaders. These guys are absolutely incredible, and I've learned so much from them, and they've become real brothers of mine, so you guys are blessed to have them. Well, tonight, guys, we are diving into Philippians 2, 14 through 18. Philippians 2, 14 through 18, and if you don't have a Bible, all the verses will be on the screen so you can catch up with me. I'm going to throw a lot of verses at you tonight, so if you're not able to catch up, don't feel bad. So the way it's going to work tonight is I'm going to read the passage for you guys, then I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to, we're going to dive right in. So Philippians 2, 14 through 18 says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights around the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud, that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come to church tonight. God, there are so many awesome people in this room, God, but we all have struggles. God, we all have struggles that we need help with, Father, and only you, Father, have the ability to meet our needs and just breathe life into us. Father, I pray that you prepare our hearts for the message tonight, Jesus, as we speak on obedience, Father, that you would just really help us to take it in, Jesus, and help us to act out in faith. Father, I thank you once again for the opportunity to speak in front of these students and help tonight to be a great night. In your heavenly name, I pray, amen. Amen. Well, tonight's message is entitled, Obeying God in the Right Way. Obeying God in the Right Way. And do you guys think God cares how we obey? Do you guys think God cares how we obey at all? I think it's pretty obvious that God really cares how we obey. And these verses are a great example of that. So I'm going to give you guys a quick analogy of one time when I obeyed, but I honestly could have done it way better than I should have. So real fast, have you guys ever complained in your life before? About to say, I was hoping I heard a bunch of yeses because all of you guys have, have complained, and I have definitely guilty of that. So, I definitely have. So, I'll tell you guys a quick story real fast, and this incident, I'll call it an incident, happened this past summer, and this entire summer, I got to serve at my church's youth and kids camps all summer at our campground, and it was a lot of fun because it was two hours away in the middle of nowhere. We had a beautiful forest. We had a lake. We had a gymnasium. It was awesome. So when I wasn't working, I got to do whatever the heck I wanted to do, and like I'm a big outdoorsman, so like I'm not like a lumberjack, but like I just like being outside, you know, so what I would do is like I would hike in the woods whenever I wanted. I got to go paddleboarding on a lake, which is really fun. I fell many times, but it was worth it, and even I one time got to go stargazing on a deck one time at three in the morning and just seeing the stars. It was awesome, so anyways, just that was not necessary, but you guys get to know, so, so, um, I remember one time in the incident, it was the first week of July, and it was very, 
very hot that week. Like, it was like 100 degrees this day, and it's towards the end of the day, so we're all exhausted. We're beat from the heat. We're doing a bunch of hard work, and my pastor said, hey, you know what, guys? My, all the students are down swimming at the lake. I think it would be a great idea if we surprised everyone by taking a bunch of pies. Which, do you guys like pies? Anyone here like pies? I love pies. Apple pie. Mm, mm-mm. So... This is not a sermon about pies. So we took all these pies down to the lake. We drove them down to the lake, and then we drove them back up because we thought we had everything. At the end of the night, we were just going to grab our stuff and walk back up. Well, as we get down there, they dropped us all off. We unloaded everything. We had realized that they had forgotten all of our serving utensils. And so we thought, well, what are we going to do? we got about five minutes left. What? What are we going to do? And so I thought, well, can't we just scoop the pie with our hands and throw it at people? And that's against a billion health codes. So we can't do that. And so they said, we need to send someone up to go get these uh, serving utensils because we can't serve without serving utensils. And so I thought, okay, I, they might choose me. So I'm just going to, like, hide behind this bush so they don't choose me. And the reason why is because from our campground to the lake was about a mile trek down this windy, rocky, uphill I mean, downhill road, and it's not fun to walk up and down. And so uh, they said, we need someone young and fast to go run up and get these serving utensils. And immediately I thought, crap, I'm the youngest one here. So I, like, kind of scooted away, like, hiding in a bush, like, hoping they wouldn't choose me, but they did. And so, like, I automatically was, like, I was not in a good mood. And so they chose me, and they said, Jackson, you've got five minutes to go run up a mile, grab this stuff, and come back. And so I thought, that's not possible, but I'll do my best. So I get ready. I'm about to run up this trail. And all of a sudden, guys, I don't know what came over me, but all of a sudden, like, I, had, I wasn't having a good day that day, but, like, thinking about going up this hill and with the sun beating down on me, I was in a horrible mood. And so running, walking up this hill, what I should have done is put my earphones in, listen to Lecrae or Royal Tail, and get myself pumped up and just jog up this hill. Instead of doing that, I got, like, and these are the words I said exactly. I'm walking up this hill, and, like, I'm getting really mad at myself, and I'm like, God, why are you making me do this? This stinks. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't want, this pie's not even good for you. Like, why are you making me do this? I complained the entire way up there. And it added an extra 10 minutes because I complained and I got distracted by the little thing. Like, I even walked past a little squirrel. I thought, that squirrel is so ugly. Like, I, I, was, I was mad because I was furious because I, ha- I was having a bad day, but this just made it worse. Just made it worse. So I finally got on top and then I grabbed the utensils and I thought, okay, I'm going to steal a golfer and go to the bottom of the lake. And so the key was missing, and so I had to do the whole thing all the way again. And so it just it got worse and worse and worse. And the thing that I realized about it was my attitude actually had a serious implication, not on me, but I mean both the other people, because they, they noticed it. So when I got to the bottom of the lake, I was not in a good mood. I was like, you wanted to stay away. My face was red because of, of rage. <laughs> so I give them utensils, and like I had people coming up to me the rest of the week saying, dude, what in the world was that? Like people were asking me, like, what was wrong? And, of course, that's kind of just a brief, funny example of a time I complained. But all too often, I think that our walk with God can end up just like my example when it comes to obedience. You see, I was told of what to do. I was given a commandment, and I did obey. But my attitude of how I obeyed uh, severely affected the situation and made it worse. So what I'm going to do for you guys real fast is we're going to take this apart verse by verse. So we're going to start with verse 14, where it says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. What Paul's saying in the first half of the verse is to do all things. Now, what he's saying here is he's not saying do half the things your teacher tells you to do. He's not saying do some of the things your parents tell you to do. Paul is saying do all things what you were told to do. But look at what he says. He says do all things without what? Without grumbling or disputing, a.k.a. complaining. Backing up to my analogy. 
Now, what's really interesting about this is that Paul's using this, this verse, this kind of language, do all things without grumbling or disputing, to promote unity in the church. And um, Paul mentions unifying the church in the book of Philippians many times. And this is one thing I noticed reading this book and reading some scholarly sources. There's actually a pretty cool contrast between the book of Philippians and Paul's obedience. You see, Paul was obedient to God by spreading the good news to the unsaved world in the Roman Empire. And if you know anything about Paul, Paul was a missionary, and he was persecuted big time. And the reason why he was persecuted is because being a missionary, especially in the times of the Roman Empire, was a very dangerous thing to do. You see, Paul was beaten many times. Paul was thrown in prison many times. He was persecuted ruthlessly. And there are many implications of that. You see, Paul was obedient, but he suffered for it. But Paul was blessed when he suffered for it. Check this out. You see, the church in Philippi, they became unified because of this. Because they saw what was happening to Paul, and they realized that Paul needed resources. Paul needed help. And so the church actually, the church of Philippi, became unified together, and they actually were able to donate monetary resources to him. They donated money to him, and they were able to help him out. So by Paul obeying, he was able to be blessed because Paul got those resources and was able to use these resources to help him and his fellow missionaries, and the church became unified. So back to my analogy. See, when I complained and I came down, it wasn't me that was affected by complaining. People saw it and other people were affected by it. But you see, Paul was obedient because Paul, when he obeyed, but he had a good heart behind it, he unknowingly was able to help a church become unified together. You see, Paul was obedient to God by spreading the good news of the gospel to the unsaved in the Roman Empire. And there were implications for his obedience. We're going to continue to verse 15, where it says that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now, in this verse, there are three adjectives that are implications of the demand of Paul. These words are blameless, sounds pretty nice, innocent, sounds very nice, and without blemish. And one thing I think Paul is hinting at here is we're not just born innocent. No one is just born coming out of the womb. Look at me, I'm innocent, I committed no sin. No one is like that. You see, guys, Jesus is truly the only one that makes us innocent. And it's actually through Jesus' own act of obedience that we are made innocent. You see, Jesus did not come down. See, let me rephrase. Jesus came here with a purpose. And Jesus' purpose, you know, there's this thing called the crucifixion. You might have heard of it. It had a big implication on us. But Jesus came here with a purpose. Check this out in John 6.38, where it says, I have, this is Jesus speaking, I have come, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus was sent for a purpose, and he was obedient to God. You see, Jesus did not randomly show up as a baby genie, snapping his fingers, going, you get apple pie, you get pumpkin pie. Everyone gets pie. Though that would be nice, and I would definitely not turn that down. However, Jesus came down with a purpose. He was obedient. And, you know, Jesus did suffer as well. In the time of his crucifixion, Jesus was brutally, brutally tortured. Like, it's astounding the stuff that he went through. But Jesus did not complain a single bit. Jesus did not complain a single bit. So, continuing this verse, it says, Children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now, I kind of want to take a part where it says crooked and twisted generation real fast. I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer on you guys at all, but when you look at your generation, my generation, even people that are older than me, we're all a part of the same generation. And would you guys agree with me that it seems sometimes that our generation seems pretty messed up at times? 
That's what I'm saying. Like, you see the various challenges on Instagram. I mean, I mean, it's, yeah, it's funny, but there are some serious things that are seem messed up about our generation. And when I thought about this, and I even asked some people about this, what are some characteristics, what are some attributes about our generation that, are, that are, we're going to be known for? And so I just listed just a few of them real fast for you guys. And so I have four of them for you. So my quick list is harming the mind with pornography. And this is something that I have seen take over young men, the minds of young men all throughout our generation. Uh, another is self-glamorization through social media or even fashion. And I'm, honestly, I'm guilty of that. I'm very guilty of that. Because on Instagram, if you go on my Instagram at all, like, I'm very like, look what I'm wearing today. Look what I'm doing. Look where I'm at. Like, I'm, guys, I'm being transparent. I'm guilty of that. Very guilty of that. We also have rebelling against those who are in authority both in the house and in the government or anyone in authority over you. And this last one is very interesting to me, but this is something that I've seen grown at an, at a, excuse me, I can't talk tonight, at an alarming rate. And that is obsessing over the demonic world of the paranormal. That curiosity that people have, it's, it's growing among our generation. And guys, from just reading those words, I don't see anything positive or anything from God in that list about our generation. I really don't. But Paul says, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Shine as lights in the world. So, Quick analogy, let's say I have a candle right here, a small candle, and I light this candle, and then Nick over here, he turns off every light in the room. What you will see, like if everything's turned off in this room, no phones out or anything, all you guys are going to see is this candle lit. That's all you guys are going to see. That's what Paul's saying. That's what Paul's saying what we're going to do. That's what Paul calls us. And what's really cool is he says, among whom you shine as lights in the world. In both the Old and the New Testament, light is a symbol of holiness. And just a few quick examples. There's a pillar of fire that guided the Israelites when they were lost in the wilderness. Uh, we have uh, the tongues of fire filling in the temple. I mean, many, many times. Even another example, people that would look up, sometimes looking up at the glory of God, it was so bright and so gloryful that people became blinded by it. So many times, light is used as a symbol of holiness. And I think that's what Paul's referencing for us in this verse when he says, among whom you shine as lights in the world. And as lights, we are able to show the world how we truly are to be the one that created us. So here's what I want to get at. So let's say you have some friends that want to do something that's not godly, that's something that's not good. When you choose to say, okay, you know what, everyone's doing this, but I'm choosing not to do this. What you are doing is you are choosing to say, you know what, I'm going to obey God and I'm going to stay away from that, that it kind of affects our generation. And he says, among whom you shine as lights in the world. And so when you're driving down a dark road at night, and you see a light in the distance, it's pretty noticeable, right? Or like that candle in the room, like I said, if all the lights are off in this room and my candle's lit, that's what you guys are going to notice, right? So Paul's saying, you guys will shine as lights in the world. And you see, back to implications of obedience, People are going to notice you guys when you stay away from those stuff. And it happens to everyone. I was homeschooled most of my life, and this even happened to me. I, wouldn't, I would choose not to be a part of this stuff, and people would ask me, and they would say, hey, why in the world are you choosing not to join us in this? Why in the world are you choosing not to vape? Why in the world are you choosing not to watch pornography? Why in the world are you doing this? And it is one of the best times for you to say, well, I got a friend named Jesus. And you're able just to reach to those people, able to reach those people. And honestly, guys, the unsaved world will notice they will come up to you, they will ask questions, and boom, you can begin reaching them. So, back to my point here. I truly believe that one of the greatest acts of obedience to God is to be set apart of the addictions and the travesties of our generation, and he will make us shine. And honestly, guys, if being obedient means that the unsaved world will notice and will ask us questions, 
That makes me want to obey him even more. That makes me want to reach them more, which means I'm choosing to obey God by setting myself apart and chasing him. All right, straight to verse 16, where it says, Holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So, quickly, it talks about the word of life, and the word of life, in case you didn't know, is the gospel. And the gospel literally means good news. That's what he means about the word of life. What does he say to do with the word of life? He says to hold, hold fast to it. In other words, hold the word of life tight to you. Hold it tight. Have it with you at all times. I'm doing the Wakanda forever, but you know what I mean. Hold the word of life close to you at all times. And this is one thing that my parents actually taught me from a very young age. And so one thing I would do is in my car, I have a small, really old Bible always in my car just in case. I have my big fat Bible in my school backpack. It's my theology study Bible. It's awesome. But I have it in my school backpack. And even like I said, I'm an outdoor person, not a lumberjack. But I'm an outdoors man. I'm always hiking. I'm always traveling. I have this very small Bible that's really dirty. But I have it with me everywhere I go. And that is, and honestly, guys, those are examples of ways that you guys can, everyone's different. But those are ways that you can have the word of life hold fast to it at all times. And even on your phones, there are hundreds of Bible apps you guys can get on your phones. Like, you guys can, it's so easy nowadays for you guys to always have the Bible with you at all times. And I think Paul's saying this is a command, saying you guys need to hold fast to this. You guys need to hold fast to the word of life. Then he says, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or laboring in vain. Now, the day of Christ is actually just a reference to the second coming of Christ, or as we like to call it, the rapture. And he says this later, uh, earlier in the text, in Philippians 1, verse 6, he says, Convinced of the same thing, that the one who began a good work in you will finish it until the day of Christ. So, um, uh, as I said earlier, Paul says that I, uh, I may be proud that I not, did not run in vain or labor in vain. Paul just wants to make it very clear that when teaching this church about obedience, teaching these people how to obey God, he wants to make sure that his time isn't wasted. Because one thing that's a, a bit of a pet peeve of mine is when if I'm teaching, like, I've got four younger siblings, guys. And it's like when I'm trying to teach them something and it literally goes in one ear, out the other, and they just don't do it, you're just like, bruh, why are you like this? Don't say that to your siblings ever. But it just, these thoughts go in your mind. Paul's wanting to make sure, like, hey, guys, I'm teaching you this, but at the same time, don't ignore it. You guys need to listen to me. And so I've got another quick story for you guys about this. You see, a thing about me is, uh, have you guys ever seen the show American Ninja Warrior? You guys ever seen that show? So a little history about this is kind of embarrassing. Uh, I've been trained by people who have been on that show. There's a gym here in town that I used to work at, and it's run by people who have been on the show. And they, for years, they trained me how to do all of those kind of stunts. And so one thing I like to do is, like, I know how to do side flips, flips. Not flat flips, flump. I can't talk tonight. Front flips, back flips, there I got it. Wall back flips. I know how to do all of that. And so they gave me a job there to teach that to kids. It was a great job. And I'm going to go to their kids, so you can't teach them too much because it is kind of dangerous. But one time, uh, this one kid, he was about nine years old, he came up to me and he said, Jackson, I want to learn a backflip. I was like, okay. I said, just a warning, I will teach you, but just to let you know, it is dangerous. And you have got to listen to me. And if you don't listen to me, there are going to be very dangerous implications if you don't listen to me. And he said, okay. So I thought, okay, well, let's start. So 
I taught him how to do a somersault, which is literally just rolling on the ground. I taught him how to jump correctly. I even taught him how to fall. Guys, there's a way to fall. And so I taught him how to fall in case things go south. And for weeks, I just trained this kid. And finally, after spotting him multiple times, after a bunch of trial and error, I said, all right, son, I, I, like, I like to call myself his dad. I said, son, it is time for you to do it on your own. And so this to me was kind of a test. I, I, I knew he was ready, but this was a test for me to think, okay, did it really go in one year or out the other, or did he really listen to me, and is he really going to act out what I've told him to do? And so this kid was determined, guys. This kid was very determined. So he got ready. He was prepped. He was ready, and I thought, Jesus, please don't let him die. Please don't let him die. I'm very nervous. Please don't let him die. And so he goes, he's ready to do it, and he's going down, and he jumps up. And, guys, he nails this flip perfectly. I was shocked. Like, he did it perfectly. And do you guys think that when he landed that flip, do you think I looked at him, and do you think I went, that could have been better. Nice try. Do, do better next time. Do you guys think I said that to him? Thank you. Man, I gave that kid the biggest hug I could have given a kid. I almost killed him because I was like giving him such a big, big hug. Like, oh my gosh, you did that. was so cool. That was better than mine. Like, I was so, so proud of this kid. And I think that's what Paul's referencing when he says, so that I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. You see, when it comes to obedience, you're taught how to obey. At a young age, I was taught not to touch the burner because it hurts, okay? And so, when you obey, and this goes back to the implications, when you obey, the people that taught you how to obey, they're going to look back and they're not going to say, cool, whatever. They're going to be like, okay, I taught them this, and I'm very proud of you for doing this. And that is one of the implications of obeying with a good heart, is because the people that taught you, and it can be a pastor, it can be a parent, it can be a teacher, it can be whatever, they will be proud of what you have learned. So... Now, in conclusion, I'm going to go to these last two verses real fast. It says in verses 17 through 18, Even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So what, God, so what Paul is saying here is, and this is going back to the missionary, being a missionary back in this time was a very dangerous thing to do. What he is saying here, guys, is that um, if teaching these people results in his own persecution or even his own death, he will be grateful to know that someone listened to me and someone acted out upon that. Excuse me. So he is happy to have the people that understood, the, talking about the church of Philippi, he's happy to know that, like, I taught you guys this, and you guys were able to act out without me having you guys to watch you guys. And you see, what also later in the verse, it says, likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Paul is saying, whatever happens to him, whatever happens to you, you need to rejoice. You need to be grateful for it. And honestly, guys, I think that when the church of Philippi were able to bless him while Paul was in prison, because Paul realized this, and that's why Paul was able to bless, because not only did he obey, he realized, okay, I need to obey, and if I have my heart on God, if I focus on God, um, then the implications will be greater for the, for the greater world. So Paul says rejoice a lot. In Philippians. Look at it in Philippians 4 4 with me. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Now, my old pastor John used to say that if a Bible, if a Bible verse says the same word twice, it must be important. So I think Paul is really trying to emphasize, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. He's saying, Be happy, be grateful. Now, rejoicing is a part of obedience. 
Because if you think about it back to verse 14 when it says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. What's the opposite of complaining? Yeah, being happy. Being happy about what you're getting to do. If Nick came up to me and he gave me something gross to throw away and he said, Jackson, I need you to throw this away. I'm not going to grab it. The Bible doesn't say grab it and be like, I can't believe you're making me do this. Are you kidding me? I'm the intern. I'm not your janitor. I'm just throwing it away. Paul's not saying do that. Paul is saying, you know what, Nick? I love you, bro. I'm so happy to serve you. I'm so happy to serve in this building. Yes, I will throw this away even though that's disgusting. Where's the germex? Like that's what, that's what he's saying. That is what he's saying. So, so just wrapping up briefly, guys. Why are we to obey? Well, there are three effects of obeying with the right heart. So, like I said earlier, the unsaved world will notice. So when you see, when you obey with a good heart, when you choose to obey without complaining, the unsaved world will notice. And a second one will be, those who taught you will be very proud. Those who taught you will be like, hey, this person learned, he's obeyed, I'm very proud of this person. And what you can use that obedience to teach others even how to obey. And the last one is, because it is a command to rejoice in obedience. It is a command to rejoice in obedience. Friends, there is joy in obedience. When you're obeying God and acting out his will on your life, there is a sense of peace you will experience. So, if you guys want to stand up with me real fast, you guys want to stand up with me real fast, you guys can stand up and spread out, go wherever you want in the room. You guys can stand up and spread out. All right, thank you guys. We're going to go into a time of prayer and worship. And you guys, whatever's on your heart, please pray for that. But if you don't, if you don't know what to pray about, pray, about, pray it to God that he would reveal to you how you obey and how you're, how you're, what your heart is behind obeying. Think about this. Think about like, okay, God, show it to me. Why, like show me an example of how I obey and show me my attitude towards obeying. Sound good, guys? Awesome. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you want to find out more about our youth ministry or any other ministry here at Evangel Temple, you can visit our website at etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.